Hello and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth. This is season six, episode 15. I always dreamt with Vaughn Kimmins. Vaughn is a multidisciplinary artist supported by Future Prairie in collaboration with Wacom's Imagination Project Grant, which provides monthly stipends of $1,000 for artists living and working in Portland, Oregon. Her work celebrates Blackness and the sacred with music, digital collage, video, and visual art. Vaughn's work explores identity and self-actualization with every lyric, every expressive movement, every glimpse of the absurd. She's in a band called Brown Calculus with her friend, the composer and beatmaker Brown Calvin. And all of their work is very contemporary, but honors the history of jazz and experimental music by centering improvisation and authenticity. The first time I saw her perform, I knew I had to speak with her, and I can't wait for you to check out her work and learn more about this incredible artist and free spirit. Here's Vaughn. My name is Vaughn Kimmins. I am originally from Chicago, Illinois, um, but I now live in Portland, Oregon, and I am a multidisciplinary artist. I do various things. I wear various hats. And music is probably my first love when it comes to art. Also, I'm a Black queer woman, and that also informs the person that I am, my upbringing. And uh, yeah, it's something that's very important to me. It's interesting, too, because being Black and being queer is something you can't avoid. And when I say that, it's something other people will constantly remind you of. So these identities, I feel like sometimes have been placed on me, but society will constantly remind me that I am a Black queer woman, even when I'm just trying to be a human. So yes, I do music. I write lyrics in collaboration with my friend Andre Burgos in a band called Brown Calculus. I also do digital collage, which stems from just me being a little kid who loved to cut things out of magazines and do you know actual analog collages. I also am a wardrobe stylist and a production designer. A lot of people will be like, what's a production designer? And so <laughs> a production designer is a person who designs the visual world for a film or a photo shoot and I enjoy creating worlds. I always have since I was a little kid. I always loved Alice in Wonderland, which is how I got my stage name, Brown Alice. So yeah, those, all of the various things that I do are a combination of just my passions that I kind of been cultivating since I was a little kid who was alone in my room a lot <laughs> playing. I've always, been a person who I've been a big lover and when I say that since childhood and I will talk about childhood a lot because I truly cultivated who I am from you know when I was a child 
I always wanted people to feel loved. It's always been a priority for me, always wanting people to feel included, but in a genuine way, not like buzz terms of like inclusion and all that, but like like real community. I've always wanted folks to feel loved and to feel wrapped up in community. So with my music, when I write, often the lyrics come from improvisation, from me just like freestyling and or jamming with my bandmates. And they're often pep talks to myself. I found once I started performing, it resonated with people. And I was like, oh, other people feel the same way I do. And I started to see that all the little human nuances, like there's so much power in human nuance. That's like the special sauce, like the the things that hold us together. Like that's where I feel like love is, where we can really create sincere connections with one another. So with my lyrics, first I'm talking to myself and then I let it flow out into community. So I always write lyrics of encouragement or just pointing out things about myself that maybe I've been having struggles with. And I try to sometimes just say it in a way that's like quirky or fun so that people just really feel it. So yeah, I just want people to be wrapped up in love, to realize that them loving themselves is the most important thing. And if we all love ourselves, then we will naturally just love each other. I used to always say like, I know that sounds cliche, but I think I'm moving past saying that I do want some of these really, what people find mushy or corny themes, I want them to spread. I really want us to take care of each other. And I I think I didn't realize how it would affect people until I started performing, like people coming up to me and like saying lyrics back to me and how they needed the feedback that I get that always feels so good after a performance is when someone's like, I needed that today. You know, like I needed that, that message today. It happens like almost after every performance. And it just makes me like, know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. At least right now, this is how I'm supposed to connect and love people. A lot of people, you know, have been talking about grief because we're going into like year three of this pandemic and we're carrying a lot. And usually what the disconnect is, and I learned this through this medicine person named um, Akua Adisa, I attended a grief session in 2020 that they were leading via Zoom. I just, I found them on Instagram and they basically just explained that we're all grieving so much right now. And the thing that's missing in Western society or the U.S. especially is public grief. Having other folks witness you grieving, it's not something we do in the U.S. Like, yes, there will have funerals, you know, and a lot of people couldn't even attend funerals in 2020. But beyond that, we don't have ways for people to really witness the grief of lots of things, not just the grief of losing a person. So yeah, grief is is something that's been in the front of, of my mind. And I still do those grief sessions sometimes with Akua, they're, they're still leading them. And it feels good to just be in a space where people can see you cry, see you dance, see you laugh, you know? And, just realize that we are connected and we don't have to do these things alone. Sometimes I don't have 
a real idea of what I'm going to create when I do my digital collages. They are often very like freestyle, but as I get into it, then things start to come to me. So it's like intuitive work. I would say most of the collages that I make just go back to my love for creating different worlds, which comes from me daydreaming. So a lot of them are are trippy. I often use myself as the subject because, you know, I don't have to pay anybody <laughs> to be a model or pay, you know, licensing or anything. So I use myself because, you know, that's one of the safest, yeah, safest subjects to use. And I feel like if I can practice some concepts or themes on myself, then I can I can basically create without without judgment when I when I use myself. And a lot of the other elements of my collages are also from photos that I've I've taken. So I'm the person that will just take random photos of everything. And then I will use those photos to create my collages. So yeah, they're they're trippy portals into the bizarre, like the bizarre self. It's the the manifestation of just what's going on in my mind. And and the collages also tend to be very colorful. And I use a lot of hand gestures, which I'm not sure where I got that from, but there's something about, I've always just really been into hands and what they can convey. It's like an ancient practice too, right? Hand gestures. It was something about hands being medicine. You know, they're, they're healers. So yeah, hands can convey a lot. We use them to touch, to sense a lot of different things. Yeah, I'm, I'm always team hands. <laughs> I feel like my collage work, as opposed to the production design that I do is different in that even though I love creating these fantasy like worlds, my like jam when it comes to production design is making things just look authentically real. Creating like fantasy scenes. I really just love to design like like sets that just show people being authentically themselves. I, I worked on a film last year. It was actually my first time doing production design, which was, oh my gosh, a lot. I had to make this house look messy. It's actually harder than you think to make a house <laughs> look authentically messy. I was shaking puzzle pieces. You know, I like opened a granola bar and bit it, you know, and put it in a bowl and, you know, laid it around and you tip things. It's just and thinking about why a character would have these certain things in their home, like what kind of mess do they make? What is it about their life or their personality, their profession that makes this kind of mess? So I love that, that kind of creation of, of worlds. The premiere, I think it's in November, yes. The film's called Mother of Color. It's a film by Dawn Jones Redstone, who is a local, queer Mexican filmmaker. And the film is basically about a mom who is an activist, also works at a nonprofit, and she wants to be a politician. And around the time that she has this very important opportunity, she begins to receive messages from her ancestors. I'm excited to see that, because you know it's an important story because it was my first time doing production design. I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to just see what it looks like on a big screen. You know, like, am I gonna be staring in the background? Like, oh, I can see that piece of tape. Like, oh, that's crooked. <laughs> I placed like an Easter egg in the film. It's like an inside joke between me and somebody else 
on the crew. And so <laughs> I'm hoping that it makes it. <laughs> One of my proudest moments is moving to Portland from Chicago nine years ago. I realized that I was just sitting on my creativity in Chicago. I was in a relationship and we were in our own little bubble. We would create things together, but I started to realize that wasn't enough for me anymore. So I decided to move to Portland. I had a friend who lived here and a cousin and I came to visit and I moved to Portland six months after that. And yeah, that's one of my proudest moments because though I had, you know, three people here that I already had a relationship with, it was my first time ever living somewhere else. I had traveled and I had studied abroad, but it was my first time as an adult living in another place. And establishing a new community can be scary. And, you know, I come from a community in Chicago where it's like majority Black neighborhood. My whole upbringing, I was surrounded by Black people. I never even really thought anything about it. Then I moved here. I knew that there were going to be less Black people in Chicago, but that didn't bother me because I hold my history and my heritage and my culture. It's, it's just so deeply ingrained in me. And my mom made that such a priority that I didn't really think about it when I moved here. I noticed that there were less Black people and I talked to my family back home about it. It didn't rock my spirit too much, but I think that's because I had the privilege of growing up in like an all Black neighborhood, went to all these cultural events for Black folks. And, you know, I grew up with there being DuSable Museum of, you know, African-American history in Chicago. Like these things were just so, such a regular part of my life. So yeah, I am proud of moving to a place that was completely different than being accepted into communities of creativity and finding other black and brown folks and then ultimately queer folks because I didn't identify as queer when I was in Chicago but moving here helped me step more into myself so I'm so proud of that I wasn't doing music in Chicago I would write songs at home but I wouldn't share them I didn't start performing until I moved to Portland. Like I grew up singing in church and then I took a singing class of like led by this Brazilian artist, you know, it's learning like samba and other like traditional songs, but I wasn't performing. Coming to Portland really helped me become closer to myself. Like I'm, I'm really grateful for the folks who came before me here in Portland, for all the folks who are from Black folks from Portland who have paved the way for me, I express so much gratitude. It took me a while to get to feeling this way, but I'm proud of myself for doing production design for the first time for that film last year. You know, it was a feature length film. It's an indie film. It's my first time taking on such a key role on a project and I had help from my really dear friend, Diana Suarez and they were like my right-hand person who helps me just execute visions. And I had to get some distance from working on it to say like, oh, we dressed five, six locations for a movie. Like I came up with what the set should look like, what the color palette should look like. I didn't like pick out the wardrobe. My friend Deanna Jackson did the wardrobe, but 
I designed the wardrobe and that, you know, I put together decks of what each character's outfit should look like or just the vibe or the look of their outfits and why they wear certain things and, you know, created decks of each set and why certain things would be in the home and here. And yeah, I'm proud. I'm really proud of that. I had to get some distance from it to be proud. I think I was just exhausted. They say in film is that the art department does not get a day off. And it's true. (laughs) You know what else I've been very proud of too is being in Brown Calculus, like having that music project with my friend Andre Burgos, or who I call Dre. It feels so weird to call him Andre, but (laughs) that project means a lot to me because it's our baby. You know, it's not something that I stepped into later you know, that someone had already established, it was something that because we were good friends who enjoyed the same music and had all these discussions about space and Sun Ra and what does it mean to truly be ourselves? And a friendship that turned into a music project is like pretty awesome. And I'm grateful for that because I get so much fulfillment from being in that band and writing the songs and just witnessing Dre and the things that he composes blows my mind. He is such a dear person to me, like one of my best friends. And I feel so grateful and so blessed that I can have that kind of experience. You know, I'm like telling little kid me like, look, you're doing the things that you thought were cool when you were back in the day. And now you're like, you're an artist. Like I always wanted to be an artist, but I kind of shelved it. When I graduated from college, I didn't go to college for art or anything, but wow, look, you're doing it. The thing that you thought you couldn't do You're doing it now and I have to express gratitude. I forget sometimes that I'm living the life that I always dreamt of, you know, and it can be a struggle because I work for myself. Being in Brown Calculus has changed my life and I've met so many amazing people, so many great artists and collaborators and I've had some really great experiences because of this music that is different from everything else. You know, I'm proud to say that like we make genre-less music Folks try to say we're like a soul band or art and B band. And I really believe people say that just because we're black. Like some of these traditions do inform us musically of naturally because we grew up listening to those things. But yeah, people try to put us in a box. We're not playing soul music at all. We're not playing R&B music at all. Jazz might be the closest thing, but we also aren't your, you know, stereotypical jazz and I also have like an issue sometimes with (laughs) jazz community stuff anyway, because a lot of people are still trying to live in the past and create the same music that our ancestors were making. But the point of that music that is called jazz is to reflect what black folks are going through at different points in our lives. We can't continue to make the same music, you know, if, if it's supposed to be a reflection of who we are. We just started releasing music monthly. The only way you can access it is through Bandcamp and they have a subscription. If folks want to hear these special recordings that won't be released in any other fashion, they're like our jam sessions. And we love our jam sessions and we hold them to be very sacred. So we thought that one of the best ways for people to get access to that was to subscribe. It's nice to show people our process to let them hear how we've been evolving over the years. We have so much music that we just make and we record and we never release it. We would 
do these jams to help with our writing process. But when we listen back to them, we're always like, wow, this is this is great. Like, we love this. Other people should hear this. We just started moving into a more improvisational performance style. I think a lot of people are used to us doing just like straight away, like full songs. But lately, we're doing lots of soundscapes because we realized a few years ago that we didn't want to perform songs the same way every time. Now having these soundscapes, it leaves more room for what needs to happen in the moment. Like, of course we have some structure within it, but some of these pieces that we do these days, I don't even know what I'm about to do. <laughs> in 2020, I got invited to join the Recording Academy. It was like, I just woke up one day and received this email that was like, congratulations. And I'm like, what? I didn't apply for anything. <laughs> but it said someone that I know nominated me. Bless that person, whoever it is. When that happened, I know that they were trying to make some changes within the Recording Academy when they realized that the demographic of the Recording Academy did not reflect the artistic community. I'm a voting member, so I got to vote and nominate people for Grammys which is a whole process. It's a lot of work to try to get somebody who's not on the ballot on the ballot, which of course also feels, you almost feel like, is there a point to me doing this? But I really believe in this person, <laughs> you know, because, you know, it seems like it might be a little bit of like a popularity contest or something like that. So I, I wanted to do my part and submit people who I love and care about whose music I believe in. I haven't been active in it the past couple of years, but I am still, a member. <laughs> I'm grateful for being here in Portland and following in the traditions of other Black artists in this town. And I would like to see that cultivated more. I would love to see a bigger community of Black artists coming together. I feel like there's pockets and we all kind of know each other, but I want to see us all really come together and form like Voltron <laughs> and bring that vibrancy back of Black art in Portland. It's it's here, it never left, but I see it just getting even bigger. Like the Albina like Music Trust and all these other organizations, like the Soul Restoration Center that Daryl Grant has been putting together, all the activations that he does and just, you know, restoring the vibrancy back to our communities because Portland is so broken up, it's so gentrified that I would love to see that again, I'd love to see Black neighborhoods, like really thick, strong, culturally rich Black neighborhoods in Portland again. I'd love to see people who got pushed out to the numbers and got scattered. I'd love to see them be able to come back and afford homes in their community, like in Alberta and like in Albina and all these neighborhoods that used to be Black vibrant neighborhoods. I really want to see that come back to life. And I feel like it's happening you know, through, like I said, Daryl Grant and artists like Charlie Brown, um, Esperanza Spalding, with the sanctuary that she's been putting together here. I just, I see it, I feel it. I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm grateful that I'm in this space at this current moment. Me and my bandmate will talk about how we, we're really excited to be a part of this space right now because we're creating something new. We have a friend who's a musician and just all around artist, Roman Norfleet. He's an amazing musician. He's been doing really cool things in town with Be Present Art Group is his collective. And he does that with Jackie Hammond and also with my bandmate Dre. Another person who's recently come to town, Elijah Jamal Asani, another amazing musician and filmmaker 
who is now part of this like family. We have like this family of like black artists who push the envelope and who are going beyond genres. It's so exciting to be a part of it. Like it feels like the resurgence of jazz, but just, you know, in a totally different way. I'm working on this project surrounding my grandmother and highlighting multifacets of black women, which will be like a short art film just reflecting on what it means to be more than one thing at the same time. Who are we when we have that space to be all of our ourself? That's called Feast of the Tide and there's no release date for it, but I'm currently like transcribing audio of my grandmother's sermons. She was a pastor and piecing together scenes of me basically like lip syncing her words but the scenes are of me in non-religious situations just to show like a juxtaposition of duality. My grandmother had a lot of great stuff to say, <laughs> you know, just for life. Her audio is great to use. One, because I'm trying to memorialize her at the same time. My grandmother is now an ancestor. I feel like this was a good way for me to share the greatness of her. I didn't want to just show her just in a religious way. And I don't have like video of her in any other situations or audio from anything else. So I thought combining parts of me and parts of her can show the fullness of the two of us. And I'm so grateful because the award that I got through the Imagination Project is helping me to pay collaborators to digitize the cassettes and to do the filming. I had a photo shoot too that will complement the short film, like the video that I'm very excited to share. It also reflects themes of, of multifacets and being various things all at once. So it's very, I, I cannot wait. I haven't even seen the finished product yet. It's still being edited. I don't have dates for those, but those are things to look out for. I want folks to rest. I want folks to not be afraid to challenge the way that we've been living our lives for so long. I get afraid to it's worth the risk to challenge ourselves to live the lives that we want to live. I encourage everybody to find what that is. I'm still figuring it out. This episode was sponsored by Oregon Humanities and the Oregon Community Foundation. Written and produced by me, Joni Whitworth, and edited by Dominic Armstrong. If you have any questions for us or feedback about the show, I hope you'll feel free to reach out at any time, futureprairie.com, or hit us up on social media at Future Prairie.